Hey guys, quick announcement. So I'm hoping you'll be very excited about this. The Suzanne Venker show is now going to drop three episodes per week. In addition to the main one that gets dropped on Sundays, for those of you who are regular followers, you probably know that there's going to be two additional ones on Tuesdays and Thursdays, shorter versions, real quick ones. But, um, there's just too much that I want to cover that I can't cover once a week. And I also want to do, um, have a few, have fewer guests on as well. I'm still going to have guests on periodically, but you'll be hearing mostly from me going forward. So, um, I recommend subscribing to the show. So you get notifications with the topic of the day, each time a new episode has dropped. And also please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. So you get free books and an early release of each episode episode. Plus those who sign up at the $10 level get a 100% free digital copy of my brand new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched. You can do all of this at suzannebanker.com forward slash podcast. And now on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So today I'm going to talk about why work-life balance begins long before you have a baby. It's not that you can't tweak your plans down the line. You definitely can. But the more advanced planning a woman does, the better off she is. So if you're a parent of an adult daughter, I highly recommend you're sharing this episode with her. It will literally shift the direction her life takes and allow her to be successful in both domains, work and family, throughout the course of her life. So look, There was a time when women were groomed to pretty much just be wives and mothers and give little to no thought to having a career. But it's very important, especially for young people today who are drilled home with this idea of oppression, that women understand why things were the way they were. It is not, as they are so often told, because women, uh, sorry, men and society were oppressing them. And they needed feminism to bring them out of this oppression and create this new wonderful life that they have today. But because life was different then, you have to go back. Of course, it depends on what era you're talking about. But if you're talking about pre-mass birth control, pre-technology, at least to the degree that we have it today, and even before all the convenience... um, conveniences that we now enjoy mother being raising a family was a taxing all-consuming endeavor what women were really up against at the time and of course they didn't think about it in terms of careers really they were you know just doing what they were doing but is time there was no time to do anything else First of all, women had larger families, so there's that. There's no 1.5 kids anymore, 2.5 or whatever. It's not even 2.5 anymore now because the rate of um, 
baby making has dropped so dramatically. But at any rate, um, between the number of children they had and the um, amount of work that went into that prior to having technology and convenience, modern conveniences and all of that, it was your life. Now, we can argue all day about whether that was a good life or a healthy life or if, if women wanted more or whatever. But at the end of the day, it wasn't anybody holding them back. Specifically, it was time. There just wasn't the time to um, to focus their attentions elsewhere. And of course, there's more to it than that, for sure. But rather than get into that, because that's not my purpose here today, I'm just saying that that what's happened is that fast forward all these all these decades and the problem that we have today is that women are groomed to be exclusively career women and give little to no thought to marriage and children as though that no longer matters okay so the former option the time when women were groomed to be wives and mothers and give no thought to a career that that option is long gone never to return but the latter option the way we are selling it to women, the way we are selling a woman's life to her today, so to speak, is just as bad. Fortunately, there's an option three. So to address this other option, I want to talk about four things young women need to consider when mapping out their lives if they want to achieve genuine work-life balance. And just for the record, I need to define work-life balance because it's very different from what you hear in the culture or in the media. Work-life balance, by what I mean when I use that phrase, does not mean doing everything you want in the world to do simultaneously, but looking at the whole of one's life and fitting the things you want to accomplish throughout a lifetime rather than just focusing on the here and the now. So you're looking at 40 or 50 years of your life, not just the next five or 10, and then the next 10 after that. It's just the whole kit and caboodle and what you want to accomplish on your time here on earth. Because at the end of the day, that's really what this is about is what do you want? What kind of life do you want to live? Where do you want the focus to be? And what else do you want to do? Okay, let's start with number one. There is no highly successful person and when I say highly successful, I mean, you know, in a, in a career that is, um, that either offers a lot of pay or a lot of clout. Let's look at it that way. Cause not all big positions are necessarily lucrative, but the clout is just as significant because either one, whether you're talking about a lot of money or a lot of clout, those roles are all consuming. There is no highly successful person, male or female, whose life is not out of balance. So most careers, as opposed to jobs, are all-consuming. They, they are your life. You don't reach those levels, you know, having lunch with your friends or um, shopping for your house or um, raising children. You, you, don't, you don't do that. The, the job, I mean, the career, excuse me, is your life. And anybody who's reached those level, reached those heights will confirm that. Okay, so unless you're willing to do that, you have a decision to make when it comes to which careers you're going to choose and how far up the ladder you want to go. If you want a balanced life, which is what this episode is about, 
The only alternative is to accept the trade-offs that come with whatever you choose. And rather than fighting against them, just embrace them and decide what you want that's going to work for your life. And then here's the other piece of this, not comparing it to anybody else. So let's say you want to be a doctor and you get into, and you go to med school and you figure out, okay, this is not going to work with, with having a family. And I really want to have a family. I want to be there for my kids. I want to raise my kids. I want a good relationship with my husband. How am I going to become a doctor if I, if I want this too? So there's several things to consider there. For one thing, what kind of doctor do you want to be? <laughs> there's, there are brain surgeons and there are family physicians, right? And those lives do not match. They have completely different lifestyles and schedules. So that's question one. Like within that uh, framework of that job or career that you want, that's definitely not a job, within that career that you want, which one's going to be more family friendly? Women have to do this all the time and they are doing it. In fact, if you do the research on it, you'll find that most women, sorry, if you do the research on it, you'll find that there are more women in med school than men. Yep. But guess what happens? They go into more family friendly arenas within that framework than men do. That's why you don't see as many uh, women in the higher echelons of the medical world. It's not that they're not in the medical world. It's that they've chosen a different path. Okay. Um, so that's, that's number one to know is that if you're looking and you're interested in a career that is, um, has the potential to make you a lot of money or a lot of clout, basically any career that, that the culture wants you to have your mind on because the culture is much more concerned with your not being at home and being in the workforce so that you can become CEOs and go into politics and do all these things to have um, equal quote unquote representation with men. In order to do that, you have to give up your life, period, bottom line. And they don't care. The culture doesn't care. Feminists don't care. That's where they want you. So you have to think about what you want for you, not what your parents want for you or what the culture does, but what you want. And that all comes back to what kind of life do you want and choosing a career that allows you to have it. Okay, so understanding that there's no way to be highly successful and have a life that's balanced. It won't happen. That's number one. Number two, where do you want to be when you're 35, 40, even 45? geographically and, and lifestyle wise, you know, where are you going to be near your family, not near your family? Are you going to and understand that those are two different paths to take entirely? If you are not near your family, then when it comes time to have children, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to be stuck without having help from your family, which you are going to want to have. This is, of course, assuming that you have a family that you're relatively close to and get along with and want them around. Um, that's certainly not the case for everybody, but for the average person who hopefully would like help when they have children, nobody tells women this ahead of time. And so we live in a very transient, transient um, culture where women go away to school far away from home and they end up meeting people, meeting a guy from another area of the country and then marrying them and um, finding themselves stuck in a state where they're nowhere. There's just no help once they have children and it's very, very isolating and lonely and not fun. And that wasn't the case in the past when women didn't, when they, well, either they weren't going to college or they were going closer to home. 
and they were marrying men from, you know, their general vicinity. So that is what kind of lifestyle, when you think about yourself 10 years down the road, what do you want your day daily life to be looking like? What are you doing? And if you're home-based and you're home with those kids, at least in the early years, um, that is that the time to think about that again is, is, is before you get there so that you can make decisions that will allow you to be where you want to be 10 years down the line. So there was a great book by Meg Jay called the defining decade. And it was written exclusively for 20 somethings. And she writes in there, quote, even though marriage may seem irrelevant to young singles, the majority will be married or partnered or living with their future partner within 10 years time end quote. So I have found this with my new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched, that, you know, people, it, we, we've groomed women to so dismiss marriage that the idea of someone presenting, hey, here's a plan for, for how to be married and have a family, um, when you're presenting it to them in their, in their, early 20s, let's say, or even mid 20s, because they don't have marriage on the mind, they think it, it isn't relevant for them. But of course, it's very relevant to them. Because again, in order to get the life you want, you have to make those decisions early on. Or at least I would say, the more you do that, the easier your life is going to be and the more successful you will be in with this whole concept of work life balance. Another another point she makes in there, Meg Jay, in that book, The Defining Decade, is do, that doing something later doesn't necessarily translate to doing it better. So I think in her more backhanded way, uh, she's you know suggesting that women marry earlier rather than later, although she doesn't come out and say it, I don't think, um, but I will, uh, because the idea that you're doing it later, uh, you know, the, the status quo is that that's, that's, of course, a better plan. But 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 we have proof everywhere we are, every, everywhere you look now where there is proof that that is not the case. Men and women have never been further apart. Marriage is declining. Women don't know how to um, have the balance that they want because they didn't, they weren't taught to think about it until it's way too late. They made financial decisions early on that made them stuck down the line in terms of who they chose for a husband you know, I can't, the number of people who are marrying men who cannot provide is just skyrocketed. So the I, when they find themselves, you know, having a new baby, for example, they've made choices that keep, literally keep them from being able to stay home with them. And it's heart-wrenching to watch. Okay, number three. This is really important know who to listen to and who not to listen to when it comes to the issue of work family balance. So the main two people that young women have to listen to on this subject is a, their mother looking at what she did or didn't do um, the advice that she does or doesn't give. In some cases they want the advice and in many cases they don't either the mom's life didn't work out for her or um, they don't have a good relationship with her or their parents are divorced. I don't know. There's a whole lot of reasons, but at the end of the day, your mother's example and message matters most. And then there's the media and the culture, and we already know what that message is. So there are so many 
there's so much negativity surrounding this issue that a lot of women, I hear from young women who, who have a plan for how they want to achieve work-life balance, but they're getting, they're having to fight with their own parents and definitely the culture with their plans for how they want to achieve that especially because so many parents have big plans for their daughters to become career women and they don't or, and, or worry about relationships later and not, and they're doing that because they're following this, they're following the cultural narrative without thinking about how this is going to affect the young woman's life down the line. And I'm finding young women who are actually more, <laughs> um, they're, they are smarter about, figuring this out and they're not getting the help that they need from their parents. Okay. So for example, in terms of the media, who not to listen to, who to listen to and who not to listen to. I, I, I came up with a couple of examples here. So I was listening to the Dave Ramsey show as if you're a regular follower of mine, you know, I do that faithfully. I don't necessarily agree with everything, but I'm a very faithful everyday listener of his podcast, mostly because they have so many callers, call-ins, and you get a fascinating overview of what's what's going on out there with um, couples in terms of their money and their marriages. So that's mainly why I listen to it. But at any rate, he's got these new personalities on, two of whom are Christy Wright and Ken Coleman. And they were filling in for Dave one day. And there was a recent episode where a wife and a mother who's a firefighter. That's unusual said she lo- she calls in basically to say that she loves her job, but it's, quote, quote, unquote, not good for my family. And bottom line is she's talking about the schedule of being a firefighter and the fact that she's not only gone all the time, but she's on call, basically, obviously. So she's torn between these, these, these two things where she loves what she does, but it totally takes her away from her kids and she's recognizing that it's not good for them. Well, for her whole family. The message that she got in response, the answer she got in response from both Christy Wright and Ken Coleman, Christy Wright basically wanted to, quote unquote, relieve her of any guilt and shake the guilt. And that's because she has a new book out about the guilt-free guide. I think it's Take Back Your Time is the name of it. The Guilt-Free Guide to Work-Life Balance. And I would warn anybody against anything that says guilt-free. I'll come back to that in a minute. And Ken Coleman who's probably never been home with kids and doesn't know this, said something to the effect of kids being resilient. Referring even to just, like, there's no acknowledgement of the difference between a 10-year-old and a 2-year-old. Just kids are resilient. That's it. I thought of, not to harp on these two individuals, but I'm using it as an example because those exact, are yeah, those exact narratives, the idea that kids are resilient and that women should never experience any guilt, are have been foisted upon women for decades. So they're just an, it's just an example of what women have been hearing over and over and over. Every time they reach out and have some sort of, you know, quandary regarding work-life balance, they are told to get rid of the guilt and that kids will be fine. Those are massive lies, massive lies. But that's what you're going to get if you turn to the culture. There is gaping, there are gaping holes in this advice. And it's very typical of the kind of advice people receive from the culture because the majority of folks who are dispensing this advice are also suffering from guilt. And they're also trying to work it out by essentially dismissing it and therefore encouraging other parents, usually mothers, to do the same thing. 
So I want to juxtapose that message that these two individuals gave, but again, not to harp on them per se, but to just the culture in general, because that's what women get everywhere. I'm going to juxtapose that with Erica Komisar's advice slash guidance. And those of you, again, who follow this program know I love Erica. I've had her on three or four times now. And um, yeah. Okay. So she, she, she writes for the Wall Street Journal pretty regularly. And there was a piece in, on May 6th of this year where she wrote, a, uh, where the title of the article was called In Praise of Maternal Guilt. I'm going to read a quote from Erica's piece there. Guilt is a signal feeling which you should heed, not suppress. When a mother leaves her infant to go to work, she naturally experiences pangs of longing, sadness, anger, and confusion. These are healthy signs of love and attachment, the bonds that create the emotional security a child needs. Encouraging women to reject their maternal instincts and the sadness and guilt they produce alienates mothers from their children who need them. End quote. It's time to talk about guilt in a completely different way. In a way that's harder, but that gets to the core of what's actually going on with mothers of young children when they are torn between their jobs and their kids. And telling them to relieve that they should not feel guilty is a horrible message to send because you're literally trying to rip out the natural feelings that are there from a woman when she's trying to address them, essentially. She's trying to listen to them and then she gets, she gets this, this crap from the culture that tells her to forget about it and to suppress it and move on with her day. So make sure you are getting advice and guidance from the right person and or people. Search it out. It's, it's, it's true that you're not going to find it in spades, um, especially if your own parents don't, don't help you in this regard. I, there's just no question. But honestly, that's why I do what I do. I'm here. I'm here and you can pass this. I mean, if I end up being the only person, whatever, <laughs> pass it on. Um, use it to your advantage. Um, just at the end of the day, you have to know who to listen to and who not to listen to. So that's number three. And then number four is to understand what children need and what's required of you as a mother. And I'm going to go back to Erica Komisar here to that, 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 um, bogus idea that kids are resilient. Quote, there is a grave misunderstanding about the origin of resilience. Babies are not born resilient to stress, but are born with the ability to become resilient if provided with the right environment. It is an important distinction. Resilience is the, resilience is the ability to adapt to adversity in a healthy manner. Babies are born with varying degrees of adaptability and sensitivity to their surroundings. But no matter what your baby's personality, emotional resilience or the ability to cope with stress and adversity is created by a constant, loving, comforting, secure presence, ideally that of his mother. 
the healthy development of the right brain, which controls our resilience to stress throughout life, is a product of the attachment, bonding, and continuous care that a mother provides in the first three years. That's the reality of resilience, not the crap you hear in the culture. Not the kids will be all right concept. If you want the truth about what's going on there with babies and in the first three years, you need to focus on Erica Komisar's work, not on anybody else's, because she's one of the only person people that I know who is telling it like it is. Let's go back over those four things again. Knowing and accepting that there's no highly successful person whose life is not out of balance. Do you want to have that life or do you not? If you don't, you're going to have to choose a career that allows you to have the flexibility that you need rather than going all in on one and accepting that you're not going to have the relationships at home that you want because you're not. Number two, where do you want to be when you're 35, 40? 45, which is just another way of saying, don't think about tomorrow or next year or even three years from now. Think 10 years out. The people who are successful don't make decisions about what is going to work for them today. They think about it with respect to whether or not it's going to work out for them 10 years down the road. Always be thinking 10 years ahead. Number three, know who to listen to and who not to listen to. Basically, don't listen to the media and the culture at all. Don't listen to your parents if they're pushing you in one direction that's not the direction you want to go. And do listen to people like Erica Komisar, who will give you the facts, even when they're not politically correct. Number four, understand what children need and what's required of you as a mother. These are the things that are going to allow you to have work-life balance over the course of your life, not all at once. Work-life balance, as it's portrayed in the media or by those in power, is one kind of, well, it's faux balance. It's not, it's not real at all. It's all, 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 all work-related. As though you can squeeze husbands and children into the equation at your, you know, at your discretion. That's very different from real work-life balance, where you have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and you've been able to... Um, Look back at your life down the line and say, yep, I raised my kids. I was there for them. I have no regrets in that department. I have a good marriage. And yeah, I have a career as well. It's more of a side endeavor rather than an all-consuming one. Real work-life balance includes prioritizing motherhood and working around their needs and schedules. There are more ways to do this today than there have ever been. And COVID is making that abundantly clear. Women are actually choosing not to go back after being forced sort of out of the workforce. And if they have children, they are realizing that they want to be home. That's happening all across America. And of course, what do you get from the culture? Let's get those women back out of that house and back into the workforce because we need them. That's all they're going to hear. But nobody wants to listen to the fact that maybe they are actually realizing for the first time in their lives that they actually don't want to go back. So once again, if you're a parent of an adult daughter, please share this episode with her. Please. It is 
information that is sorely lacking and very much needed for any young woman who's mapping out her life today. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Banker Show. Before you leave us, I'd appreciate it if you take one minute to give us a review at Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use. If you've done that already, or if you can't leave a review on your podcast player for some reason, please consider sharing the show with a friend or a family member. Word of mouth is the primary way we get the word out about the Suzanne Banker Show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. 